This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, She Podcast. Episode 378. I am your co-host Jessica Kupferman. With me, as always, Dongletown's first resident, Elsie Escobar. Welcome to Dongletown. How are you today? We are doing good. We are doing good. I am here with my podcast swag T-shirt. This is from one of my favorite shows. Connected. I'm wearing swag. Is it connected or upgrade? Upgrade. This is from Upgrade. Both of those two separate ones get me confused. This is from Upgrade, the show Upgrade. And uh, so anyway, we are here and we are kind of grunchy. Grunchy? Grunchy. I feel very grunchy. grunchy. I don't know, but it's a perfect word to describe how I feel. Because I was actually just wondering if if my eyes look like I've been punched in the face or if I got to take off yesterday's makeup. And I can't tell. (laughs) Can't tell if I have bags under my eyes or if I forgot to wash my face. Doesn't matter. Yesterday, I was at Afros and Audio. Yes. It was the most amazing experience. Aww. And it reminded me of, I can't even tell you what it reminded me of, but it was like intimate, but not, yes. not like 20 people intimate, but I would say like 150-ish yeah. Yeah. people intimate, but it was so good because like, especially during the main stage stuff, like people ask questions and you get to know, like, I don't know, like just being in the room, even if you're not fully engaged in whatever's going on on stage this is any room it's yeah, nice yeah. to see questions and stuff because you get to see you know you get to hear what people are working on and also what their concerns are and then you also get to hear you know the person you know respond and get to know what kind of it's interesting to see what kind of like information will come out of people you've never heard speak before i think yeah yeah you know and like there's a bunch of people i never met before that were amazing 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 so, so i had the best time and this is the t-shirt this is the afros and audio t-shirt Oh my gosh, I should have asked you. Oh my gosh, I love it. I should have asked you to get me one, dude. Oh, I'm sure Nicole has one. They're 15. I'm sure I could get you one. Um, but I had the best time. I'd love to. It was good. One. It was really good. So I want to thank Afros and Audio because I could not post on Facebook about Afros and Audio yesterday. Oh, that's right. Because you were banned. I was Facebook jailed because Amanda Krill, God love her. <sighs> Posted on Facebook that someone was mean to her yeah. or not nice or not a good friend or something. And I wrote in jest, tell me who it is and I'll beat their ass. And poof, I was off Facebook for violating community standards. I've never had that happen before. And she felt so bad. And I was like, it's the most interesting thing that's happened to me this week so far. I think like it was look hilarious. It, it seems I like, we, look at this. We have like bitches in bourbon. Oh my God. They've been put in FB jail so many different times. I mean, I've hey, listen. never, ever been put. In, I mean, not that I haven't said anything inappropriate. I'm certainly I have because I joke around a lot. But like, I've never been put in Facebook jail. And here I am at a conference trying to give people love and like, you know, like exposure. 
And I'm also at the same time a juvenile delinquent who can't post on Facebook. It was like ridiculous. Yeah, this is not good. So I want you guys to check them out. And here's actually what I'd like you to do. And we can get into this, like the whole experience of it later or whatever. But like one thing I would like you to do if you're not already, go on Afros and Audio and look at who's following them and who they're following and follow those podcasters because I guarantee you that we are not following nearly as many black people in audio as we need to be. And some of this is because I started my Twitter in 2008 and I haven't really looked at who I'm following since. And when I do, I just go down one page just to see who's following me. But there are people, certainly there are people that I met yesterday for the first time that have been, probably been following me for years and we both had no idea. Or there are people who you know, I started following for the first time that I've even known for a really long time, but like because I haven't been paying attention to my followers and followings. But I think it's really important because there are conversations that happen that we don't know about because we're part of podcasting Twitter, but we may not be part of black podcasting Twitter. And those are different. And I think we need to hear those conversations so that we can increase our allyship and so that we can include people in conversations that need to be included and so we can give people exposure when they deserve it. Um, so that's the one thing that I definitely learned yesterday was like, I need to pay attention better to who's following me and who I'm following so that I can include people in conversations that need to be included. That was really a lesson that I took away from that. So I'd like to encourage you guys to do the same thing. And the link is already in the feed here if you guys are watching. But It'll be in our show notes as well. But it's just afros underscore and underscore audio. And that's a good first step. If you want to go down a rabbit hole further, start looking at who or following the people who are following that if you want to do like a whole nother level. But it's just to start just a quick action item, you know, that I think is important. Hello, Carrie Eric. It's so nice to see you. It's so nice to see all of you. Thank you for coming. That really leads to me, I think, with some of the stuff that I've been noticing in terms of Twitter, because I've been doing a lot of work on Twitter lately. I spend a lot of time on Twitter lately for Libsyn. I'm, I'm on there quite an extraordinary amount of time. And part of what I've noticed is the way that the algorithms work and also the fact that I had been, I kind of stepped back from doing a lot of 100% engagement in there as in like following people simply because I didn't want my feed to get cluttered up and I was curating a lot of lists, right? So one of the things that I noticed or that was actually, I didn't notice it. It was brought to our to my attention was that there's about 17,000 followers for the Twitter account for Libsyn, but we're, we were only following 1,500. And mm -hmm. a lot of folks yeah. were like, especially other competitors out there were like, look, look at all these other like podcast hosting platforms. They're following like 3000 plus. It's an old fashioned best practice that you never want to have as many followers as that are following you because it makes you look more important if you follow less people. But nowadays we're using Twitter for different things besides our clout score. And it's important that we follow people so that we can be part of those conversations. It's harder when you don't follow people to know what they're talking about. Well, I think that the thing is, I was following people, but I'm following people at lists is what I'm saying. Oh. Like, I always curate lists. You don't have you can I have like really in-depth lists and I mm -hmm. work with lists all the time. So I know mm -hmm. what people are saying, what's happening, but I don't 
follow them. It's like one of those things that you forgot to do that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And until Mm -hmm. now that I've been on Twitter for so long, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not following this account. Like, even though I'm interacting with the account, I'm doing all the things with the account, I'm paying attention about the account, I'm, I'm engaged with the account, but I don't follow them. That's simply because I... I work off of lists and I just wasn't paying attention to that. So yeah, I, don't, I wasn't either. That's an interesting no, uh, no, thing you noticed. So I had a really great time yesterday and today I'm grunchy because. Grunchy. Um, yes. So first, before we have to, we have to figure out what grunchy actually means. Is that like a mixture between gr- grumpy and grouchy? Yeah, grunchy. We're grunchy. Okay. I'm, I'm good with that. We're grunchy. It's t- technically, it would be grumpy, but I like grunchy. Grunchy. We're grunchy. So I have for my monitor out here a large LG TV. And I think I have the TV because I already had this TV and I didn't want to buy a big monitor. And I know sometimes you can use when you feel gay and grunchy. Ah, that's another good expression. Yes. Grunchy. Grunchy. That works perfectly, as a matter of fact. (laughs) That's my new word. Okay. Use it however you see fit. Um, So I have this LG. I have this LG as my monitor. But the weird thing is that like once in a while, randomly, I'll be talking to someone or typing someone and it'll just go black. And I have to like move my mouse or hit delete for it to come back. And then it'll go black again. Like it happens a bunch of times every time I'm out here. And, And finally, I was just like, I can't work like this. I'm getting a monitor. But like, of course, I did no research. I happened to be in Best Buy this morning and there was one on sale for under $200. So I bought it. And now I can't get the color right. It's not 4K. So everything is hard to read and pixelated. And you look yellow and I look red. And the color, everything is off and it's annoying. Then I also bought something I thought would be really great for my desk. So I didn't have this big light here. I bought one of those things on your desk that has two sticking out like antennas. And I thought uh-huh. I could have one, one over here and one over here. And they could, yeah. but it's not enough light. So I'm annoyed by that. And I was also fiddling with this right before we got on here. So like, I'm just mad because it took me an hour to set up this monitor because, you know, you have to plug in the audio and plug in the camera, plug in the lights and plug in the keyboard and plug in the fucking computer and then plug it all into the electricity. It took me an hour and I have to take it back because it looks like shit, shite, shitola. I hate it. I'm sorry. I'd rather it blink and look good when it's on than have crappy video. Ugh, fap. I'm just so annoyed. It just sucks. What are you annoyed? That's my biggest annoyance for the day. What about you? I'm just feeling overwhelmed. I, there's so many things like I my, my nervous system's a wreck. It's just too many things to juggle, too many things to think about. And it's just not a very specific thing. It's just like life, right? All the layers. It's not like, oh, you need to. Do. No, it's just all of it. Like there's times when I feel like I hit an emotional wall and then everything makes me super extra sensitive, you know, like about everything. Like I just went and I told the kids, I was like, hey, because Rand sent me a text to remind me of stuff because I I need reminding of things, right? Tomorrow Mm -hmm. we have to go to their school and they do art and not art and doing art time. They have to have their art supplies and they have to have like a portrait that I think he told me that I needed to have. And then they have to have a shirt, like an art shirt, right? That Mm -hmm. they cover their pretty clothes so that they can mess it all up. So um, he's like, he reminded me of it. I was like, okay, cool. So I went out there and I'm like, hey, kids, did you get your portrait? And did you have your your shirt? And they're like, what portrait? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And I was like, 
it hurt my feelings. Like that's I was natural just, tone. Yeah. And so I was just like, most of the time, whatever. I mean, they do that all the time. So it's, this was not new. This is not unusual. It's not nice, but I'm sure it's not new. But I was just like, I just wanted to remind you something. Cause I didn't like, I'm just going to cry now. You know what I mean? It was like, it was Aww, just that Elsie. kind of a thing where I just don't want to fight. Like, why can't, why? Like, I don't have Girl. it in me. I don't have it in me to just be like, I will not, I don't have, I like, I will just detach from all the emotion. You know, it's just like, I'm just all emotional oh, yeah. and moody. And so things, I had so. a, I had a meeting with Isaac's teachers and principal today where I learned that he is disrespectful and non-compliant to the point of being diabolical. <gasps> is that what they said? Are those the words? That no, she's... those are my words. Oh, oh, they were okay. very like... nice. But they said that like, if he doesn't learn something, he blames it on them. It's your fault for not teaching me properly. If he doesn't behave, he says it's because you did this to me. He never takes responsibility for his own actions. And today, when they told me that, he flat out called them liars. Right there in the meeting. You're all lying. <gasps> I didn't even know what to say. I was like, all I could do is, like, I didn't even know what to say. I apologize. Diabolical is like an evil villain, like, like thinking like an evil villain, like he's either gaslighting them, interrupting them, arguing with them, telling them no. I learned today that he has like, so like I already know his struggles with math because I talked about this the other day, but like um, he's like, there's all these tools and stuff that he could do at school to try and learn whatever they're teaching him. He refuses to do it. No, okay. I won't use this book or no, I won't use this program or no, I won't use this tool because I already know that I'm too stupid to do it. He has like confidence problems, oh. arguing problems, disrupting problems. Like, I don't even know who this kid is. This is my happy boy who every day was like, I'm so excited. This is the best day ever. And now he's like, he's like an eight year old teenager. I don't know where he went or what happened to him. He keeps saying, I've been like this since I was five. I don't know why that, that sticks out five, but he keeps saying ever since I was five, he's just had some weird quirks lately. And like the poor teachers and the principal are trying to help him, but like, I don't know. I just want to homeschool him so that I can save him from this fate of like constantly being called out for misbehaving. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you, I can tell you that it is equally challenging to have that at home mm -hmm. with just you. I mean, yeah. Patrick's saying, can I go observe him? No need. He does that all here. It's all right. done here as well. He doesn't help. He doesn't want to do anything. He doesn't want to go anywhere. If you make a suggestion of something fun, it's instantly stupid. He didn't want to go to a birthday party because he's not flexible enough to do gymnastics. Like what? He argues about everything. Everything. Yeah. I don't need to observe. I'm sure he does it. I'm sure. But like when he left the room, I was like, honestly, I know you guys are all saying he's super smart, but like maybe he's just a sociopath. <laughs> like, I didn't know what else to say. Oh, God. Uh, He's not my first kid for me to worry about that with. That's the sad part. It's just, yeah, parenting, not so good. All I can tell you is that, uh, yeah, we're, we're on the road. Like, all of us are on the road to find a way to be able to have them. To be at least friendly enough to be respectful. Like, they shouldn't be like, what are you talking about? Like, you're a fucking idiot. But to me, that's like a natural reaction to any parent. Like, parent, every time a parent would say something to me, I'd be like, 
yeah, like you just talk to them with disgust, disdain, and impatience when you're like 14 or whatever, 11, 12, 13, 14. But like this kid is turning eight next week. Like, what's his fucking problem? <laughs> what is his problem? Well, you know, May May was like that when she was about eight. She's gotten, she? a, I mean, there's a lot, she's gotten a lot better in so many different ways. In a lot of different ways, she's gotten better, but she's also gotten way more complex. So there is okay. all kinds, mind you, way more complex and so much more. There's just a lot more that needs to go into her because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she is a very complex little figure. Like you, she really does need to be able to talk out a lot of the stuff. She like hides mm-hmm. a lot of things and she. Yeah. Like what if they feelings. refuse? What if they refuse to talk it out? Like, like they were all there trying to help him. And all he did was cover his face like this until he could be. Yeah, excused. like I forgot what it was. I just saw a video that Rand sent to me because mind you, by the way, screens are gone from our house. That's interesting. What the Rand fuck do they do all day? <laughs> literally, he he took them. All, and mind you, he was just like, it's done. So they get just when they have to do homework and they have no access to their devices until unless we go like into town or something, they get to listen to music and things like that mm-hmm. on their little phones that they have. They, they're not real phones. They're like unconnected phones, kind of like a, you know, they're a phone, but they're not a phone, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like it's an iPhone, but it's not connected. And May May now plays her video games on my computer, on this computer. Mm-hmm. And okay. she has an hour, maybe two hours to play her video games. A day. Has that increased or helped anything? It, this is new for the oh, most part. So we don't know yet. It's a week today. Okay. And Hunter has been pretty okay. Okay. And May May is having a much harder time with it. Like much harder. Because time. some people <coughs> have an addiction oh problem with, with technology. I don't know anyone in this call that that applies to. But some people can be very addicted. It's like a safe thing to do. It makes you feel smart. You're learning things. You're doing research. Like, I think he's like that. In fact, my my husband found him an old go- a, a Chromebook so for his research. Right now he's researching video games, but like not the way normal people research video games. Like he is now able to tell me the entire history of Atari and Nintendo and Sega wow. Yeah, like when he gets into something, like he doesn't even have any of it yet. He's getting one for his birthday, but now he is like an expert on all things video game, which is like, and he just loves researching stuff. Remember, because he used to do Egypt and he had, uh, yeah, you know, that's he right. used to do all this research on Egypt. And he, I mean, and he was like, I don't know any of that anymore because I'm dumb. I'm like, really? Then how come the other day I heard you use the word sarcophagus? Okay, because I right. don't use that word. I don't even remember no, what it I don't is think exactly. Any of us, I think it's yeah. the wrappings of a mummy, right? Yeah. Like so. I mean, like so. There. So like, yeah. His teacher's always like, "Oh, he's so smart," and I'm like, maybe. Yeah, he could be on the spectrum. I don't know. His brother's on the spectrum, so like Patrick's asking, "Can can Big Brother spend some time with him?" I mean, he's a gamer, but also he's he's Asperger's, so like he didn't have the best luck in school either. Like he did a lot, of, not the arguing per se, but just the like. 
I should look back in his files to see what what I was mostly struggling with. I mean, hell, it was like 16 years ago, so that I can see if it's similar. That's a, thank you. I'm so glad you're. I love having a teacher in our audience. Like it's, yeah. I didn't realize that would be such an advantage, but thank you. It's, it's really helpful, and they were really helpful, and they want him to succeed, and we want him to succeed, and and there are definitely things that I'm not doing right. For example, asking him to do chores. Like I know it's going to be an argument, so like he just has everything done for him. But chores and jobs, like they instill confidence. So like he thinks he can't do anything right, but also he's not doing anything. We ask him to do something and if he argues like usually Scott will be like, just forget it. I'll do it. Or, you know, like they don't want to fight with him. But on the other hand, they also do a lot of like, don't eat that here. You're making a mess. Your shirt is dirty. You're this, you know, and that also is probably like not helping his confidence either. So we need to have like a family meeting and like discuss what jobs he's going to do and what things, what battles we're going to pick. And I think I'm going to try and start his day off with like peaceful music and meditation so he can go to school with a positive vibe and not be rushed because he can't, you know, because he's going to get out of bed on time. Like I'm going to wake him up earlier. There's things we can do to make his life less chaotic. This really all started when Scott got sick two weeks Mm -hmm. ago. He had a fever and he was doubled over in pain. And ever since then, Isaac has been unruly as hell. I'm going to share a YouTube link in there. This is Ran actually sent this to me. And I watched this video. It's about ADHD, but it's also this guy. I also joined this guy's Discord channel, which I have. Mm -hmm. I only joined it. I didn't go and discuss stuff in there. But he also works with kids that have all kinds of neurodivergence and are have cool. video game addiction. Thank you. And this video that I watched, I was like, oh, that's so there's a there's a thing about the whole no. You know, when they when you ask them to do something and they're like, no, I'm not going to do it. Like there's a little bit yeah. where he gives you an idea of it's very interesting. I hadn't looked at it from the point of view that he put it like I bought him a book about addiction. Guess who won't read it? Like, it's like a kid's book about addiction, you know, because actually also I wanted to try and introduce what actually happened to Emily because he's starting to watch us take like Tylenol and get nervous that we're going to take too much and then keel over because I told him she died from taking someone else's medicine and taking the wrong Uh, amount. I didn't, you don't want to explain heroin to like a three-year-old, right? Like I don't need to explain street drugs to a three-year-old. So I said medicine because her brain was sick, but now he's starting to notice that I take vitamins and shit. And he's like, what are you taking? You know, so so I bought this book to try and explain what happened, but he won't have anything to do with it because he thinks I bought it because of him. He doesn't realize I bought it for about her because I never said the word addiction when talking about her. Right, right. I just said she made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't want to get into that until he's starting to get to, I don't know. I don't even know when the right age is, but it doesn't matter. Okay. I don't even want to make this all about me. I'm just, you know, you're, I didn't realize you were grunchy because of your kids, but they're not in a good, I mean, for Hunter, you, I think 16 is when things start to improve. So like for her, you've got a little while for May, you're in it for a lot, a long time. They're both, you know, uh, yeah. You know, the good thing about May is she's going to be an extremely interesting adult. And so we have that to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You I know? mean, no, but I, in all honesty, it's just, it's just, a, it's just a lot. It's a lot to be managing all the little bits and it's a it lot is. to be. And then also what I'm saying to you when you're like, oh, if I could homeschool them, it's like. Oh, right. Sometimes when you are a little bit depleted, when you are like a little off, when you need to fill your own 
cup or whatever the heck, Mm -hmm. the space in between being able to do all of that stuff and then add to the mix the fact that you have a job job is just yeah, let a me little rephrase. too overwhelming. You know what I mean? Let me rephrase. And, I would like Scott to to homeschool him. I don't want to do it. No, I'd I just, like him to do it. Please. But mind you, which actually brings us to, you know, the, some of the stuff in the show notes, because the, I did put it, maybe we can just transition into. Yes. Why don't we? We've had a half hour of nonsense. Now it's time yeah, to move No, on. but no, but the women in work in the workplace oh, thing that yes. I found. For those of you who are watching us live today, I'm going to drop the link of what we're going to be talking about in there so that you know. And this is a study called Women in the Workplace. And this specific study is part of Sheryl Sandberg and her lean in. She's in dot right? org. Yeah, the lean in. Yeah. And then she this is in collaboration with McKenzie and Company. And I'm not sure if it's a nonprofit or I don't even know what it is, but it's like it's something that has been happening now for a little bit. And the interesting thing is that the data from this actually comes from a pretty substantial amount of 333 companies and more than 40,000 employees participated in the study. So that is a pretty substantial amount of data here, right? This is huge. And the report has a PDF that is along with it, and it kind of breaks down what's going on with women in their workplace. Mind you, this is very, very, very much corporate, right? This isn't like entrepreneurs, right? This isn't like Mm -hmm. the creators. This isn't the majority of folks who are possibly listening to the podcast or that are podcasters, right? These are people who are in companies most of the time, but the data in this thing, and like when I was reading it, I felt seen. And at the same time, my heart hurt and I felt a lot more emotion attached to it because you see that it's not just you and then you continue to see the data. And then and then especially for women of color and black women, it's even worse. And so the when I looked at this, I'm feeling like a really sensitive right now and very emotional. That upsets me because black women run this country 100 percent. Every doctor's office, every school. Go ahead. Sorry. But what I'm saying about that, too. So I'm feeling this right now. And then I thought all of these black women are feeling this so much more of course, for longer with fear of saying anything because they would instantly be fired. I could like I think that that was one of the things there that I, I just felt so overwhelmed by the data that it was just too much, like not too much as in like, oh, my God, I can't handle it. But it was just just to read it and to see the words was just really rough. And to see that we're barely scratching the surface. Now, given all of that information, what I did like about this report is that at the end, it gives some actionable things to think about. It's also posing the possibilities of changing culture, of being able to provide or to actually see this type of data as different, because Mm -hmm. that's another thing too, because if you start to look at the amount of women that are looking to be part of the C-suite, that are looking for positions of leadership, that that is a possibility for some. And the other thing that was really kind of eye-opening to me, and I think that there's something to be said about that too, is that leaving companies is, I feel, something as viable as well. Like there are some women who really want to 
continue with their trajectory inside of a company and they want, they have, um, what is that passion word? for their work and ambition? Not passion, like, uh, yeah, ambition, ambition, that's it. Ambition and like a desire to, like, they just want to do this. And then there's mm. a lot, and like, I count myself in this, where that ambition doesn't drive me. Like, I just want to live my life. And I'm feeling that sense of like, it's not worth it to fight so hard, you know? And because I want to live the Why rest not? of my life feeling great about my everyday life experience, like living, like waking up in the morning and being with my kids and seeing them grown up and being able to go wherever it is that they want to go. And I don't have the aspirations to do this other stuff for other people. Like I'd rather deal with my own kids and my own family and have a good life. Did I tell you what my lawyer friend told me after what happened to me last week about black women? Uh, last I can week? talk about it on the show. Yeah. So last week, Isaac was being dramatic because I often say when something's not going my way, oh my God, I'm just going to jump off a bridge and kill myself. Like it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he was at the JCC because he had no school that day and they were starting a group therapy program. So he and another friend went with an intern, a, a, a counselor intern to group therapy and he his feet hurt or something. And he was like, oh my God. He was like, I'm just going to cut them off with a butcher. And he said something violent and terrible. Like, like, I'm going to kill myself with a butcher knife or something, which they considered a plan of suicide. So they call fucking Delaware Family Service. Well, so here's what happened. They sent him home with me because he was in pain. They gave me the number for mobile crisis to make sure that he was safe from himself. And then the next day, someone followed up with me to see if I used it, which I didn't because clearly he was being a drama queen because my kid has never, ever said anything like that, nor does he have any intention of hurting himself. The kid can barely stand to have his eye poked. So like he would never hurt himself in any way. So like the state came out though, like the counseling office, the intern reported it to the counseling office, which then reported it to the state. So like this woman came out and like asked me questions about whether or not my home was safe. And if I was dealing with domestic abuse and like made me give her a tour of my home to make sure he had a bed to sleep in and that we had food in our pantry. And I was like, okay, I didn't know that was going to happen. I have no idea why they did that. It's like this woman who talked to Isaac for 20 minutes thought she had more of an idea of whether or not my kid was safe than me and therefore called the state to figure it out for me, you know, rather than let me have like, you know, my own decision about whether or not I need to call crisis hotline. So I call my friend Megan, who um, helps me with all things law, but she is a legal services lawyer here, which means that she fights for people to get the services they need, like welfare and whatever else. So I told her about what happened and she was furious because they should have a protocol with context so that you don't just call the state. Because once you call the state on someone and anyone can do it, I could, you could call from Asheville and give a report on me and they'd have to like investigate it, even if it's horseshit. She told me that, you know, first of all, they should not do that. But second of all, she said, if you were black, they would have taken your kid from you because that happens all the time here. And I was heartbroken to hear that heartbroken, heartbroken, because it just was thinking like, you know, and thinking about all this stuff that we deal with and even this example that you're giving about women in the workplace and how long they've been struggling. Imagine the fear. Yeah. I mean, I've had actually DFS called on me twice. Once was 20 years ago and once was last week. And both times it was whatever was happening was being taken out of context. And both times it was difficult little boys. Um, the mm-hmm. first time it was Nate who was screaming to get in the car and like rather than address it, I just let him scream in my face because like I didn't feel like yelling. 
and I wasn't going to spank him. So I was just like, I don't mind if he screams while I'm buckling him in. He's being buckled in. That's all I care about. Right. Like, I don't care if he screams in my face. I'm not, you know, but both times I was investigated and like it never occurred to me that there are women that are investigated like me for no reason, but have to go all these steps further to like defend themselves or get their kids back because of the color of their skin. It's fucking crazy. It was it was heartbreaking to think about that. Heartbreaking. Yeah. It's anyway. It's it no, it it absolutely is. I it it just hits close to home whenever you have that thing. This is the page in the if you guys want to check out the report. So again, the link is going to be in the show notes. If you download the PDF, it's page 17. And this is what it says. It says black women leaders are more ambitious but face greater barriers to advancement. Black women leaders are more ambitious than other women at their level. 59% Mm -hmm. of black women leaders want to be top executives compared to 49% of women leaders overall. But they are also more likely than women leaders of other races and ethnicities to receive signals that it will be harder for them to advance. Compared to other women at their level, Black women leaders are more likely to have colleagues question their competence and to be subjected to demeaning behavior. Look at the quote on this page. It makes me furious. Yeah, well, Uh, we'll reach this for a second. Let me finish this. And And one in three black women leaders say they've been denied or passed over for opportunities because of personal characteristics, including their race and gender. So please feel free to read that quote that's on this page. The quote is from a black woman bisexual manager and says, when I was promoted to a senior role, I heard comments like you must have gotten that role because you're black. A few people actually said this to my face. Can you imagine? No. And that's and a also, mess. That it's is a mess. A mess. It's that's crazy. A mess. And we're in a terms mess, of people, the microaggressions and stuff like this is the stuff that really hit home to me because I know every single person that's even in the chat or is listening to us now has mm-hmm. been in this position. I can guarantee whether whatever gender you are, you've been in this position. But the, the disproportionate amount of the percentage amount that it affects black women is just astounding. So having someone say or imply that you're not qualified. Right. So mm-hmm. all men leaders, ha- it's six percent. The men. All women leaders, 12%, and black women leaders, 20%. Um, Being mistaken for someone at a lower level, 13% men, 26% all women leaders, 38% for black women. And having your judgment questioned, 28% men, 39% all women, 55% black women leaders. Now, think about that. Half. More than half having your judgment be. Could you imagine, Jess, I know that this is something that you feel and people tell you, you know what I mean? I know that that comes Mm -hmm. at you a lot. I know that you have feelings like that and you often question your own self. I think that that's something that we're doing ourselves anyway to ourselves. We're constantly questioning our own judgment. And then when we're looking to express ourselves or like really you know, focus on something specific that is meaningful to us and have somebody question whether or not we're even capable of making that decision. And for black women, having it be over 50%. It's disgusting is what it is. But also, can you imagine, like to me, coming from the perspective of I'm feeling defeated right now, I'm feeling a little 
emotional right now. I'm feeling raw right oh, now. Let me pile on for a minute. Let me go one layer further. And I'd like to know a number of the amount of people, women, black or white, who are constantly being condescended or questioned because they're fat. Right. If you add that layer, it's another inter- the intersectionality. Try yeah. being a fat woman. Right. Fat men don't get that nearly as much, I assure you. But right. all your credibility is questioned if you're slightly overweight. And I'm not slightly, but I'm just saying if you're slightly overweight, it's even worse. And shame on yeah. them. That intersectionality just right there adds all of this layer to just thinking about that perspective of like the daily experience is what got me. Just thinking about the daily little chisels of somebody questioning yourself all the time. You know what I mean? Like just so, chiseling down, down, down. I know. I know. You, have you watched She-Hulk yet or not yet? No, I haven't. So the first episode of She-Hulk, there's this whole thing because she becomes a She-Hulk and then Bruce Banner, a.k.a. Mark Ruffalo, is trying to teach her how to control her Hulkness, you know, because in the original story of Hulk, like every time he gets hangry, he becomes the Hulk. But this doesn't happen to Jennifer. And the reason it doesn't happen to Jennifer is because she's a woman. And the reason because Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen to her because she's a woman is because she spends all day being mad without losing her temper. Because she's a woman and she's a lawyer, which I loved, right? Because they just put it right in the first episode. It's like, look, Bruce, I don't know what to tell you. I can do it or not do it because I do this every day. Every time I'm questioned, every time a man grabs my ass, I'm holding the shit in. This is nothing. Imagine doing this every day, right? Like she just has this whole like, we're running out of time here, buddy. I got to go. And she leaves. She's like, I don't need these lessons. It's so funny. But I want to tell you something else. Speaking of black women, um, yesterday at Afros and Audio, I was talking with someone who was saying like it was, you know, I think she was talking about getting speakers from companies to come to Afros and Audio. Or maybe it was or maybe she was just like pontificating, like imagine how difficult it is to get speakers for Afros and Audio when there are no C-suite people of color in right. many of these companies, large or small. And I was like, I'll do you one better. It's not always easy to find a woman to come. I mean, many companies do have a woman, but some of them have to drum someone up because there's no women in in, uh, management at all. It's terrible. Just let me give you another layer to that, too. The fact that what if you do have a little bit more of a pick? So you have less of a pick, right? So you have instead of having like 10, you now have three Mm -hmm. to choose from. For your speakers, whatever that might be. Okay. And out of those three, two of them don't want to travel. It's like too much of a fucking hassle. Like, I don't want to leave my That's house. Just you. I the rest just, of us no, want to get out of the fucking not, house. Jessica, that is not <laughs> just, just me. I can you. tell I you that a lot of women do not want to play that game, which is why even from here, virtual engagement, being able to be at home, being able to manage all the things at the same time has been incredible. Mind you, now, if we start to look at women leaders are overworked from home and here's the thing, especially if you're working at the company in terms of like being as an entry level, this is like in terms of that, like whether or not they do less household labor and women who don't have that luxury, right? So mm-hmm. here's some percentages. For an entry level man, he does 30% of the housework and women are doing 58% of entry level. First level manager, men are doing 21%. First level manager for women, 58%. Senior manager and up, 
men are doing 13%, senior manager and up for women, 52%. So think about that because that to me is like astounding again, because we're doing all the fucking things. And then you still want me to go behave and do all the things and be available and be like all the shit. But Elsie, like what? I'd rather be single than be in a relationship where I'm doing all the housework. Like that, I can't Jessica, be in that relationship. It does. And guess what's going to happen when you're single and you are and you're now a single home, a single one at home with your kids. I pay someone to do it. That's a privileged position. And no, especially for women of color, that's another cultural thing we have to work through because it's not part of our culture. Okay, why can't we make our kids do it? Just that, of course you can, but you have to understand. Like, it's not as easy. Like, that in a cultural way, yeah, you make your kids do it. You have to be essentially on them all the time until they're what? Almost out of school. I just know that for me, the level of resentment would build up to the point where I hate the sight of the person. And that's why it's better to be single. I don't understand women that take that on or agree to that or don't say anything about like, hey, could do you think you could do this? And that's 50% of us, Jess. Jess, that's 50% of us. And it's not as simple. I know, but I don't understand. Just fucking say something. But it's not as simple as that either. I think that that's when you get removed from what the dynamics, cultural dynamics. I know it's not that Culturally simple. from not you, people who are, what if you're gay? It's, I'm sure it's about the same way I mean, too. Somebody else is still going to be taking up a lot of that same shit. I would like to think that gay people and gay couples at least have the advantage of working out just who's better at that stuff since it's not a gender Could issue, be. right? Could like, be. And that's what we should be doing is taking a page from that, if that's true. And I mean, I, I can't tell you that I can pick up the phone and, and interview a gay, I mean, I guess I could, but like, it would be awkward. But at least they have that gender piece set aside so that, I mean, at least from what I observe, the person who's the fussiest is the one that facilitates the cleaning. And the person who's the best at cooking facilitates the cooking. And the person who's best at managing travel manages travel. And that's how it would be. That's how it should be in every relationship. For the most part, that's how it is in my relationship. And then you do you add to that neurodivergence and you add to that issues that come into the fact that there are some folks that like uh, learning disabilities for a kid or something's happening in terms of the health. You start to layer that in the intersectionality of all of it's the not bits. easy, and but it, it needs to I be I understand fair. that. But it doesn't matter if you're sitting there in order to be fed. I mean, fair, because the resources of being able to support a woman who has lived her entire life thinking she has to carry all of it on her own. I know. It's not enough. To sit down with somebody to say, like, you should just outsource because no, there's no, no. an I'm inside. Not that. No, but it's inside for some women. They need to do that work on their own and recognize it and see the difference and have the tools to share with their partners and be able to establish a way in which there is a support system established. Our entire society is set up so that this continues happening. The expectations are there. I wasn't saying outsource or get a divorce. I'm saying try with your partner to take gender out of the conversation so you can just be like, I'm better at this. I'll do this. You're better at this. You do this. Because I know too many women breadwinners who are also still doing all the housework, which is like, 
How do you not murder him in his sleep? And it's not that they're lazy. It's just that they don't or won't or don't think about it. And the women, like you said, are so conditioned that they have to do the thing that they just do it. They just come home from a full day of work and do all the things. Like I've been doing that for the last two weeks because Scott can't help me. And like I was falling down by the end of the day. He doesn't do that much as it is. He'll take him to school. He'll pick him up. He'll make breakfast. He'll make, you know, pack the lunch. Having to do all that, plus sit here and work all day, plus follow up with emails at night, plus put the kid to bed, plus wake him up in the morning, plus argue with him about his clothes, like doing everything fucking sucks. Yeah. Just period. I'm not talking about outsourcing, but make your your situation as even as you can so that you have a partner, not some, I don't know, what, roommate that doesn't do his share. In fact, if it was a roommate, they would be mandated to do their share. If it was a woman that you were living with instead of a man who you're married to, they probably would do half the shit because that's what nice roommates do. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I, I hear that. But also recognizing that there is a lot of nuance that's added to those conversations. And it's not just. It's not that easy. I'm making yeah, I'm simplifying. It's not just. Yeah. And, and there are many, many layers to this. And also the fact that you're adding a very patriarchal view of how corporate life or even business works, right? As a whole and adding that to the mix because there's that understanding. And then also the fact that there are some things where we as women are, at least I'm proud of the feminine sides of who I am and to be able to be mother to my kids, like in terms of what that means and the level of mothering that needs to go through with my kids is an important part that, that I can't outsource. And mothering takes a lot of energy. Mothering, being a mother and doing the mothering things is another layer to being in the world. And if you are working in society or especially in the corporate environment, it's not a feminine place. It's incredibly masculine. And so you have to sort of hide and put away all of the feminine stuff because you have to work. It's just the neutral is that masculine approach. Everything is much more that way. The metaphors are very masculine. The way in which you work through business in corporate is incredibly masculine. And so you have to sort of split yourself up like that's my part. And then I have to behave this way here. And then you have to go be with your kids. And all I'm saying is that there's, if you look at that data, that's like crazy for C-suite women. These are women who are making the bucks. These are VPs. These are executives. These are CEOs or, you know, that are stepping into this and they're still taking the majority, at least 50% of them are still taking the majority of that housework. So that tells you something, right? It's not just a few. I was sitting here thinking about how I started my advertising agency right around the time that my daughter went to rehab mm-hmm. and wondering if I often have thought about whether or not I was able to do both, whether I sacrificed mothering for working. I definitely sacrificed working for mothering many times Mm -hmm. um, because I had to. But I just think about that year and how demanding both things were and how I really felt like I wasn't doing either of them very well. And that's not fair either. And I think that that's something that our entire culture, I don't feel 
particularly in corp and actually in any work, I'm, I'm, I'm not even putting culture, the fact that the parenting, you know, to add maybe fathering and mothering mm -hmm. the, your kids and being present to them doesn't really hold the same importance in the world because we're leaning towards being able to providing for your family often takes precedence, right? Being able to have that job, being able to get that paycheck, that is the thing that we believe and society tells us, mind you, things do happen badly if you don't, if you can't pay things off, if you don't have the funds to be able to keep, you know, a roof over your head or whatever. I understand that, but mm -hmm. it also takes precedence. It's like, oh, wait, I have to take this job because I need the money. And we often make decisions like that based on without the mothering aspect of it, the parenting aspect of it often takes a back seat. I don't know if this is off topic or not, but I have a question. You know how people are constantly complaining about how we live in a capitalistic society? I mean, is the only other choice communism or is there like a third option, a socialist option that's like, like, where is that? I'd like to move there. Does that exist? Where is there a non-capitalist society? It does exist. It, it is a co-creative it's usually, it's a very much of a, a feminine like approach. A it's a matriarchal type of approach where you have where? the group together coming on and helping each other to do things. This is what, um, I think that, who is it? Like, there's somebody who wrote a- Where does this exist? I would like to move there. <laughs> Molly wrote, writes, the third option is LSD. <laughs> That's right. You're so right. Do we have any choices? I mean, like, to, we, I mean, just there's been a lot of talk about our capitalist society. And it's like, why bring it up if we have no choice? This is it. And I think that you you have to make choices, I think, for yourself, though. I, I do feel that the power does come to your own little home unit, the privilege of being able to make choices. And that's why I'm such a st and I know, Jess, I keep bringing this up all the time. And, and you've heard me say this to you all the time. And you what? you're like, oh, but it's just you. I prioritize staying home. I prioritize not wanting to travel. It's way too much on my nervous system and in my family and the way that I want to live it for me to justify making those choices for myself. And the world tells you, but you should, you got to do it because if you're not there and blah, 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 and you're not going to get to where you got to go. And it's like, listen, I want to be home and the stress and mental strain that I have to deal with when I come back, I don't want it. I don't want it. It does not make me happy. And so that I have power over, right? I can do it. And I can say, I only want to travel these times because it causes more imbalance in my life than good stuff. And I don't want to amplify that in my life. That's not fair either, though. That Why is it not fair? For who? Because you should be able to travel for leisure. You should be able to travel for your own curiosity of the world. Absolutely. You should be able to travel to cultivate deeper relationships with people and not have to worry about the, Correct. the backlash of when you come back. Exactly. But I'm not, Jess. I'm traveling for work. Right. But as a result, you limit the other things that you do or don't do because you have to travel for work do and I? all of it is terrible. Don't yeah. you? Yeah. If I could, I would travel not for work. Like if I had to travel things during the year, I would travel for myself and my family for sure. Like 100%. I mean, wouldn't it be better instead of going to 
I don't know, Dallas for podcast movement. You guys took a trip to like Mexico or Canada or Niagara Falls or fucking. Yes. I don't even know where a beach somewhere. Have you guys ever just sat on a beach in your bikinis and like put your toes in the water? I can't even imagine that. And you live near a beach. We're going to, you know, we're traveling across town, uh, across town, across across, across the, that's what we're doing next year. You know, in May, we are traveling. We're traveling. We're going. So all I'm saying to you, though, Jess, is that that causes a strain. Like we like it would be the same thing if I had to be at an office from nine to five. That would be the same. Yeah, I couldn't do that. That's a choice that is no longer that that's the amount of stress that would be put on my family would not make it worth me. But doesn't that, that make you feel trapped? Why? Because that would make me feel trapped. That they can't get along for days without me, without everything turning to shit. That is not what I'm talking about. It's you sort of like on Orlando in the comments. <laughs> they just like anywhere but Orlando. Oh What's wrong with Orlando? I don't know. It's um, um, no, it's I'm not sucky. saying that. I'm saying this is what it's kind of like. I don't feel constrained about the type of diet that I have. There's a lot That's of things I don't your eat. Choice. Yes, I exactly. But it's my choice because of how we. We live in this fashion. We so, choose to do these things. So that's what I'm okay, saying to but you. If it's you, like if you digress and have a glass of red wine or a big piece of meat or a piece of cheesecake, which we do, I mean, maybe you'll have all indigestion. We totally do all the time. I don't know. Honestly, anytime someone's sick here and I can't go and have plans because someone's sick, I feel like I've locked it myself in someone's basement and I'm a prisoner. I don't like the feeling that I can't go anywhere without people getting along having a peaceful life, doing things that need to be done without my presence. That is extremely suffocating to me. I don't like that at all. And I'm not saying I'm going to run away, but it makes me want to run away. Yeah, that is not it. I think it's about the time of life to be able to do things like I can't. Okay, so to be fair, you didn't have kids till you were in your 30s and I was 21. So perhaps that's why I feel trapped. That is true. I've never done anything. You waited a long, you had like 15 years of adulthood before you had a baby. I have had none. Right. So and that that's could probably be, no, you're right. It. I like, I lived alone for most of my, up to my mid 30s. I traveled, yeah, right. I flew I wherever did. I wanted. I made movies. I got into right. crazy Hollywood parties. I stayed up. Like I've li- like, right, there's so pants. many diff- different things <laughs> that I've done. Like, I, I mean, I have. So that's so, why. So you're, you're content. I'm not. And that's a big, I mean, that's, I know, got that's a chance probably- to live like in Sam, like in, in uh, speaking of Orlando, not Orlando, but I got to live in Palm beach for like two weeks in a, an amazing, like, townhome where I literally was five minutes walking distance on the from the beach. I would just walk and go lay on the beach and I got paid. That's just insane. Don't tell me. It's insane. That's what I'm saying. And so like I've experienced these things and I think that's so it was lovely by myself. I was by myself. I'd like to be a house sitter and go and go sit in other people's fancy houses until they come back from vacation. That's what I'd like. You can come here like our, our entire like lake area over here has empty houses. That's another thing. I'm like, what? It's empty lake houses most of the year. Well, why? Do they rent them out? I don't even know. They're empty, dude. They leave for the winter and they'll come for the summer for like three months and then they'll leave the entire time it's here. And it's all people from Florida who come here and they have their second home because they run away from the heat. It's so beautiful. 
Anyway, uh, have we been talking forever? Yeah, We've been talking a long forever. Time. Do you want to talk about the other thing? Or no, we, we don't. We have it? to like shut it down. We okay, take we'll it. table it. Well, all right. We can table it, but one of the things I do want to mention before we go is that Elsie has a new YouTube channel, and we'll put the <laughs> link in the comments. And, Thank you, friend. Um, I know I do have a new YouTube channel. We have to talk about it. We were going to discuss it. We'll discuss it next time. But basically, she's doing some fun stuff on a YouTube channel just because she feels like it. And uh, if you want to check it out, her first thing is an um, unboxing of pens that I send her every month. So it's fun. So check it out. We'll put the we'll put the links in. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Please find us on social at She Podcasts everywhere. Consider joining our membership, membership.shepodcast.com. Shepodcast.com is our website. So please come check us out. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We love you. Mean it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>